right, ATP Podcast episode 18. Today I have with me Logan Armstrong. And Logan, will you please um, tell me what you do exactly? I, I don't even want to butcher the name of pronouncing this. Sure. I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner okay. and a spiritual coach. Okay. So what is... what? Say that one more time. Ayurvedic? Yeah, Ayurvedic. Okay. So what? what is the... Ayurvedic practice. What, what does that all entail? And sure. So Ayurveda, Ayurvedic, Ayurveda is okay. a yeah. Ayurveda, is Ayurveda the noun. Yes, is a holistic <laughs> form of healing from India. So okay. it really looks at the elements, the five elements, and how those show up in our body, and how we can use the elements within our body to relate to the world around us. The five elements. Five. Okay. Will you list the five for me? Yes. It's ether. Air, fire, water, and earth. Okay, ether was the one that I did not mm-hmm. think of. What? What is the ether? Ether is space. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like what the air fills. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But that's that is considered an element of its own. Yes. Interesting. All yeah. right, we'll we'll come back to that. <laughs> how um, how did you get like how did you even first hear of Ayudar? That's okay. I'm getting this. Ayurveda. Ayur, Ayurveda. What am I saying? Okay. <laughs> so Ayur means life. It's a Sanskrit word, and Veda means knowledge. Okay. So it it translates to the knowledge of life. Ayurveda. Okay. Right on. And when I was 20, I was in school down in Asheville, North Carolina, at Warren Wilson, and I did a yoga teacher training. Okay. And Ayurveda is a sister science of yoga. So most yoga trainings include some Ayurveda. Hmm. And it's sort of the lifestyle part of yoga. Okay. It's how to take the yoga off the mat and like into the rest of your life. The philosophy, the theories, the practicality, the food, the daily routine. I see. Yeah. So I was in that training and somebody came in to talk to us about Ayurveda and it just like, resonated with me. It just clicked. I was like, that makes so much sense. Some of the basic principles of Ayurveda are like increases like and we treat with the opposite. What do you mean what do you mean like increases like? So if there's a lot of heat in the body okay. and we do a lot of heat stuff, like we do a lot of like hot yoga and we eat a lot of spicy food and we're in a hot climate, then that's going to increase the heat and inflammation in the body. Mm. So we treat with the opposite. So we give people cooling breathing techniques, cooling Mm. food, slowing down their exercise. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, where does it branch off from yoga versus, like you said, so it's outside the mat and everything, but a lot of philosophies are the same. Did they originate in the same spot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're they're from India. What's interesting about yoga, um, especially as we know it now mm-hmm. in the West, yeah, is that it's really a combination of what yogis would practice mainly for meditation, just simply stretching so they can sit upright okay. for long periods of time. That basic stretching mixed with gymnastics. Okay. Yeah, and that's like what we know yoga, but like. Classic yoga is not, it's, it would be hard to experience here. Well, Howard, okay, so can you kind of give us an insight? Like, what, what is more classic yoga? You said stretching to get in position, so you wouldn't be in a room full of people with your mat out and things like that. No, oh, no. That's, not, that's our own kind of invention of it. Yeah. Okay. It's not, an, it's not a workout. Okay. It's not meant to be 
a workout, even though some forms of it, like that we know now, like Ashtanga, Mm -hmm. for example, you're going to have a lot of physical movement and sweating and strength building. Okay. But the whole purpose of a yoga practice traditionally is for the Shavasana. Laying down. Yeah. Okay. Or sitting up meditating. Okay. Either one. So that's so I know Shavasana as the we lay down at the yeah. beginning and end of class. But totally. that can also be just sitting or that's the relaxation yeah. state. Or Is you that... would lay down in Shavasana for ten minutes and then you would sit up and do your meditation. Okay. Yeah. So yoga, the purpose of yoga is to align your energy. Mm. So we have energetic centers in the body. Mm-hmm. And the different poses, asanas that you go into are meant to move energy through the meridians and lines in the body and through those central energetic channels okay. to help clear and align you. The central channels are the chakras? Or, okay, that's all, I'm trying mm-hmm. to piece together Yeah, totally. Okay, what I've already experienced and what's coming from here. Yeah, totally. That's the purpose. Okay. Now, so yours, as you said takes all of that and how can we apply that throughout the rest of our life where it's not the dedicated time to that practice but how do we incorporate it throughout our whole day Mm -hmm. and what was the other title you used for yourself a spiritual coach. spiritual coach okay Mm -hmm. now that aspect of it how does that differ and how does that overlap with Mm -hmm. um the first end of year yeah yeah so as an ayurvedic practitioner i address you know, the body, mind, and spirit. Okay. And I do that with a number of things, but most likely breathing exercises, meditations, Mm -hmm. yoga practices, um, diet, Mm. lifestyle, that kind of thing. And then the spiritual coaching aspect comes in in that people that come here and they really want to change their life. They Mm -hmm. really, they're unhappy or they're anxious or they just feel like blah, like they're stuck. and they really want a difference, I take them into spiritual coaching programs where I work with somebody from anywhere for two to six to 12 months. Oh, wow. And they come weekly. And so we're implementing all these new practices. And in that sense, I might introduce one thing a week, teach them one thing at the end of a session. Yeah. So it's it's kind of connecting like here's my, you know, personal philosophy, here's what I believe, but my actions are different than what I believe. Okay. So we look at how do we integrate that. You know, there's so many layers of our beings. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, like, if somebody's wanting to have a life, they're wanting to manifest it, but they're coming in and they're just trying to do action steps to change it, very rarely changes because we're not looking at the unconscious and the subconscious and Mm -hmm. their trauma history and their background. So the spiritual coaching is like, I'm your guide and your friend, and I'm going to hold your hand and walk you through this process. So did you have any personal experience like with yourself going through someone else providing this practice to you? Yes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, gosh, I guess about, I don't even know how long, four years ago, I did like a Thai yoga therapy okay. training, like a very basic training in that. Do you know anything about Thai yoga therapy? Is it so related to Tai Chi at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I mean, then no. Then it's no. really cool. It, is, <laughs> it feels amazing. It's really cool. It's where somebody lays on the ground and you basically put their body into yoga postures and you stretch them for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like you're kind of doing yoga beside them or over them yeah. and putting them into postures. So it's, it's assisted. Like, yeah, it's like a form of therapy yeah. for the body. I've had that happen in a yoga class because I'm not 
whenever you lean forward and you passively get away, I'm not very flexible. And yeah. I remember the one time the teacher just laid her back against mine and like leaned on me and I was like, oh, like now I got it. Like, yes. yeah, yeah, so something like that where you're manually manipulating, okay. Exactly, and Thai yoga therapy, it's, um, I don't know, I wanna say there's probably like seven levels of training. Okay. And I did like one. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> I just wanted to learn about it as a yoga teacher. I thought it was really cool. I'd had it done before and mm-hmm. I loved it. So, and I'm just always learning new things and trying to discover different things that I can incorporate into my practice. That's so awesome. I did a training with a woman named Alex Ryberg. Do you know her? She's in mm, Northside. I'm not familiar, no. Okay, she's in Northside. <laughs> I thought maybe you okay. know in the community. But, um, and I did that training, and then she at the time was doing a lot of spiritual coaching for spiritual entrepreneurs. Okay. So, like that specific niche. So, I took a couple programs with her and went through that process of really looking at, like, what do I believe but am not integrating? Like, mm. where am I not being fully authentic? Where am I not showing up? Where am I, like, keeping myself small and mm. not really going into my full potential? Because it's scary to do that. Right. Yeah, so it's helpful to have someone that's guiding you. Yeah. And that, so that's your spiritual coach. That's how you're, you're just getting, I don't know, is it certified to use the term? What, or that's just your learning? Your, yeah. Okay, gotcha. There's really no certification okay. for that. For that her. part. Yeah. And but the other for uh, I, I keep butchering yes, the name. the practitioner one more, one more Ayurveda. Ayurveda. <laughs> for Ayurveda, there is a Definitely. kind of more set of a program. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So after I learned about it in the yoga training, I looked into like where can I study this more? And I found other than you know going to India, and I found the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. And so I went for a weekend seminar, and the teacher there, Dr. Vasant Laud, was teaching a weekend seminar on how to heal psychological trauma. Hmm. And I went, and the whole thing was breath work. Yeah. It was all pranayama. It was all just like oh, different wow. ways of breathing to access where you've stored trauma in your body and then how to appropriately hold space to process that. That's interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting. And I went there and I took my shoes off and I went into the room. And the second I saw him, I was like, I'm coming here. Yeah. It's amazing. So yeah. I, that's what got you hooked and then onto the... Yeah. So, so besides breath work, what kind of, and so breath work, a little bit of yoga, do you still use yoga in your practice? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, what kind of other stuff are kind of basic techniques that you use? Yeah, definitely meditation. Meditation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mindfulness, mm-hmm. awareness, becoming aware of your internal dialogue, your thoughts, how you speak to yourself, mm. all of that stuff. Um, and herbs. So I use like herbal formulas, mm-hmm. diet. I see you've got oils out and you use uh-huh. those as well. Oils. Yeah. Yeah. I see you've got a, a someone calls it a smudge bundle. Yeah, That's what some sage. Some yep. sage, yep. Yeah, so and and part of the training too, you so I did a two year program in Albuquerque. Okay. Yeah, and part of the program you learn something called Marma therapy, which is very similar to acupressure, where okay. you press certain points on the body to mm-hmm. help release and relax people. So Part of what I do is energy work, is this marma therapy. Okay. So a lot of the oils I use for that and the smudge, I use to clear people's energy. Okay. Now the energy work you do. So I recently 
have been dipping toes into, well, not myself, but going through the experience. I've, I have someone that practices healing touch, which is an off, which is more of a Western yeah. offshoot of Reiki, from my understanding. Right. Um, where does that differ from what you do, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the energy work? Yeah. Or is it pretty aligned? Because that's where I brought up the chakras. That's where I learned all that from. Was from that thing. Um, yeah. And then you mentioned meridian lines, which I've learned from acupuncture. Exactly. So again, trying to piece it all together and see where all these things overlap. And, yeah, it's totally a cross between those two. So okay. It is similar to acupuncture because I'm following meridian lines or nadis, channels in the body. Mm-hmm. And will you elaborate on those for people listening that maybe yeah, don't understand? Yeah, yeah, sure. So there are little energy channels that run all through our body. And I think the best way to explain it is it's like your veins and arteries. Okay. Like if you can imagine your veins and arteries are just channels of energy. Yeah. And like your organs are big pockets of energy hmm. and the blood is flowing just like that blood is flowing, energy is also flowing with that. Okay. That's yeah. a good way to put it. I like that analogy. Yeah. It is electric, right? Like yeah. our heart. It's an electric yeah. situation that's pumping. We have a current going through yeah. us. We've, we've proven that. I, yes. I, 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 I'm a big into like grounding or like earthing. And I tell yes. people all the time, like, like you got to ground your current a little yes. bit. And that's my limited understanding of it. But I know there's something there to it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we are energetic beings. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, that's not a debatable topic. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so these different channels that run through, like especially in Ayurveda, we look a lot at the these um, smaller points of the wrist, the ankles, the neck, mm-hmm. as almost like bottleneck points where the energy can get stuck. Okay. So that can happen in those three places, but also anywhere in the body. Like if you've had trauma, even to physical trauma to a joint or a muscle, or more internal trauma, like from you know a a wound or from birth or from surgery, you will hold energy in that space and it sort of gets stuck there. Yeah. Whenever something's stuck, we tighten up. Not to mention, you know, any anything that you have to digest. So any emotional situation that you've been through, any physical digestion, if that doesn't fully digest, it gets stuck and we hold it. Mm-hmm. So the marma is half intuition being able to read somebody's energy when i'm looking at them and when i'm feeling their pulse and when i'm you know touching their body being able to feel where they're holding the energy and then the pressure points themselves are these specific points where the nadis or the meridians cross where there may be stuck energy so if i can press that point and release it it can help to release that stagnation interesting so would you say that like uh, some of the modern, more modern practices like massage kind of help deal with that unknowingly a little bit because that's one of the reasons why that feels great one and, and then you come out with that kind of relaxing, renewed sensation as you're kind of helping move that energy along or at least get rid of it in the sense. Definitely. Okay. I, it definitely unconsciously, there's a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. I also think anywhere where you just like lay down and breathe, you're going to feel better if you walk out after that's, an hour. That's true. And, um, <laughs> but I mean, I love physical touch, so I love massages and all that yeah. stuff. But yeah, there's, when you have real stuck energy and things show up time after time and time again, mm-hmm. that getting a massage may not help unless some other things are being combined with that. Mm-hmm. Because it can actually just push the trauma deeper into the tissue. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Which is interesting, energetically. Yeah. 
Now, if things are showing up and up and again, are you taking more of a look at, okay, well, rather than just focusing on what we're doing to get rid of that, let's look at why does that keep happening? Is that part of the practice at all? Definitely. Okay. So one of the other reasons I was so drawn to Ayurveda is because we always try to find the root cause. I like that approach. It's always about like not how to just band-aid the situation, mm-hmm. but like why? Why is this happening? Yes. Why? Why does that keep showing up over and over again? Right. What are you holding there? It's a reaction of something. Yes. Something is causing that. And rather, yes. again, you could keep going back and getting your treatments and yeah, it, it helps, it helps, but if it keeps coming back at the end of the day, the most effective thing is like, okay, well, if we can stop it from happening, yes, then we're in a better place overall. Absolutely. Okay. And that's the thing that I think is different with um, Ayurveda versus some other modalities is that we look at that root cause as it could be any of those holistic reasons. So it could be the body mm-hmm. or the mind or the soul or a combination of all three. It's very rarely just one. Right. So yeah. it's nice to have that ability. Like a lot of what I do is teach people where they're, first of all, like what their emotions are, mm-hmm. how they're feeling, and then where they're holding that in their body. And then how they can breathe into that and what might come up when they actually start to access those spaces that they ignore. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, a big thing that Western healthcare, whatever you want to call it, misses out on is like, the the what you said it could be multiple causes it's never just this one thing that an answer that we know and i'm sure you experienced this as the way i approach my training i tell everyone like i'm not going to sit here and tell you i i'm going to know what the problem is like it's a process we're going to figure this out yeah and we still may not fully know either like we're not here to just find the answer and that's it it's like okay let's keep trying and see what's working or what's not yes yeah. absolutely yeah yeah a lot of like uh trial and error yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> how but does this feel this week? Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of how I've I've found the most effective ways because I think when we pretend we know something and just go with that that standard answer, a lot of things get overlooked and maybe temporarily solved, if at all. But it's not a lasting uh, result. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely, and that's why I like to view my work as like I'm a guide. Mm-hmm. Assistant, like I'm not a guru, I'm not a teacher, I'm not yeah. gonna like reveal some all knowing thing. Right. I'm gonna help guide you to your own inner knowing. And they're gonna figure it and out, they're essentially. Gonna they're gonna figure it yeah, out. Exactly. It's, it's worthless if I figure it out for them. Right. It does them no good no. If, if they don't understand it themselves. Yeah, yeah, and that's most likely just a projection of my own stuff anyhow. That's very true. It has to, like, sometimes clients really surprise me with what they say when I say, like, well, what do you think's going on there? Why yeah. do you think you're doing that? They'll say something, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm glad I didn't guess first. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just a projection of what I'm seeing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get here so you you did your training in albuquerque and everything and then what was after that what, what did you yeah so after that um i moved back to cincinnati because my family is here okay and um just kind of wanted to get my grounds just like save up some money mm-hmm. and hang out and then i planned to leave okay so <laughs> but, did i yeah that's just that's a way of just like pulling us in yeah I always had the awareness, and my mom has said this before, that like um, Cincinnati needs more of this. Hmm. Like it's not very saturated in yeah. these things. Whereas other places I've lived, like Asheville and Albuquerque, Santa Fe, there's tons of this stuff going on. Yeah. 
Whereas Absolutely. like here, people are like, what is Ayurveda? Or like, I don't even know how to say Ayurveda. Right, exactly. Like, I don't, yeah. Which, and like, I'm, I try and seek out that stuff. I still, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, which like <laughs> for me is great because then I get to be the person that's bringing this knowledge to a place that is um, thirsty for it. Hmm. So I moved back here and I started working at... Um, a tea house, a Centra tea house. Okay. And brought some Ayurvedic teas there and was like doing consulting on the side. And um, I ended up meeting my partner there. Right on. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We had two babies and beautiful. Stayed here. And I found the breathing room kind of during that time um, eight years ago. Okay. I, I was already a yoga teacher and wanted to teach yoga somewhere. And one of the girls that worked there knew Megan, the owner of the breathing room, and said, why don't you come and check this place out? And came, fell in love with this studio, fell in love with Megan, and she took me like under her wing, and um, I actually became trained in Pilates because she wanted to oh, hire nice. more people that were yoga background mm-hmm. to teach Pilates because she liked how much the yoga trainees knew about breath. Mm. And once to, wanted to combine that with the Pilates. So I did that for a while and was doing both. And then when they did an expansion here, they built a room out for me. Yeah, that's awesome. To have my practice, yeah. So you've been here a while. You're pretty established now, actually. That's good. Yeah, And it's yeah. good to see that, that's, that there's enough interest, too, that people are coming, that this is, can be a thing and that there's enough awareness of it that it can last and continue. That's really cool. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for a while I um, shared my room. Like I had a massage therapist that we would share days and then I got busy enough that I was able to take it over on my own um, about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. So because having little kids and stuff, I only wanted to work part time. Yeah. That worked really well for me. But yeah, after doing more of that soul searching and um, kind of mentorship and spiritual um, mentoring, I realized like, you know, how, how successful you become or how well known you become depends on how much you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. And it's really easy to not put yourself out there <laughs> and stay Instant, in your comfort yeah. zone, especially when you're doing something that's kind of against the grain. Or like you said, it's easy just to maybe kind of go through the motions, but not actually manifest it for yourself. Yes. And how can you give any tips to people that when we're talking about this, because it's, it's easy to just say, yeah, just manifest it, make it happen, <laughs> you know, you do it. But uh, like for people listening that are like that kind of seeking that, but maybe don't know how to access that part. Um, how does one manifest their own destiny? <laughs> I love this opinion. question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's. I think that one manifests their def- their destiny by really building self awareness. Okay. So by becoming really aware of your own patterns mm. and why you do what you do, hmm. and that's something that you could do on your own. You know, through meditation and journaling and introspection and just really creating space for a contemplative practice. That's something that I find super important that I, and that I teach all my clients. Like, yeah. you have to have a space every single day that you're having a contemplative practice where you're just sitting with yourself and your thoughts in whatever way that looks like. It can be with movement. It can be with journaling. It can be with meditation. But going in and saying, why? If this is what I want, but I keep doing this, why do I keep doing this? Mm. Or why is that not leading me to what I want as well? Yeah. Okay. And just that, like, because I get this all the time, like, people will come in and say, I know exactly what I should do, 
but I'm not doing it. Yeah. So like understanding some of that basic psychology too around um, self-sabotage, right? Hmm. Around like we are in a comfort zone and it's in order to succeed, it's almost like there's an equal amount of fear of failure as there is a fear of success. Yeah. Both of those are unknown. Right. So like when you start to really get to that point where you're wanting to make a big shift in your life, it's really scary and it's it feels easier to just stay and do what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People what what do they say that the devil that you know is better than one you don't is that the the common saying type oh, thing yeah, that's yeah. That, that comfort where people you'll see it all the time people unhappy in, in a job or relationship or whatever and but it's right. like but they know how it works and so it's like the, the, that like you said that fear even if it's better I just I don't know what that's gonna be and that that fear kind of holds us back exactly. in a lot of ways exactly yeah. and yeah I think like recognizing that that as um, as humans, it's hard to to have unknowns. We mm-hmm. want to know things. We yes. want to figure things out. Yes. That's very comfortable for us. And as 2020 has proved, we have no control. No. <laughs> we have no way of actually knowing what's going to happen. Yes. So there's a deep need for all of us to go in and get really comfortable and find that peace within ourselves. And get comfortable not knowing. And get and comfortable in the uncertainty. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for the people listening that want to move from a space that they are to a new space, I do these emotional check-ins that I love where you just check in with your body, see how you're feeling just Mm -hmm. in whatever moment, and then recognize that, maybe name a couple of those emotions and feelings, and then think about how you want to feel Hmm. and name those emotions and feelings, and then pick one thing you can do to move from that A to B. Ah, That's very good advice. Yeah. So on the topic of of why you know we're why we're having our actions, why we're doing certain things, or why we're not. Why do you feel like you are so drawn to this particular practice and, and this type of uh, thought process? Mm-hmm. I think it's my soul's purpose. Yeah, yeah. I think that that that's literally why I'm here on this planet is to help guide people. And it just feels feels right to you, like you said. You, mm-hmm. That's almost the point where you you don't have to ask why because it just feels right enough. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I believe in past lives and I believe in souls and I think that we um, incarnate into very particular specific places for Mm -hmm. reasons. So I think like we're all here for a reason. And when you can find that reason and tap into it, your life really does begin to open and it becomes fluid and grateful and yeah oh yeah i agree, I agree with that 100 percent. i'm similar boat and feel about the same way where it just like you said it just feels right mm-hmm. uh, or it feels like that's the reason or that destiny i always use that term too yeah, yeah. things kind of fall into place let's talk a little bit about the practice itself um so what type of I don't know, clients do you mostly get like is there a typical for you or i'm it might be all over the place. Like, I guess, what do people come in expecting? Because, again, I I haven't heard of this before. Um, so, yeah. do you get a lot of people that know what this is, or they just dipping their toes in things like that? Yeah, I really get two two types of clients. I get the people that have 
heard of Ayurveda or experienced it somewhere else and okay. have literally typed into a Google search like Ayurveda Cincinnati okay. and I come up. Okay. <laughs> so I get those people that are reaching out like, hey, I really <laughs> want to learn more about Ayurveda mm-hmm. and my constitution and what I should be eating and that kind of thing. And then I get a lot of more word of mouth people. Okay. So like people through the breathing room that have come in and really experienced a coaching program and yeah. then it changes their life and then they tell their friends about it. And yeah. Yeah, and I mean mostly female, but I definitely work with a lot of male clients as well. Okay. People that are, I always use the term like spiritually curious. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a good way yeah, to put it. Yeah. Spiritually curious and um, people that are really looking for personal growth. Hmm. Yeah. Now when they come in, do they kind of have an idea of what they're expecting? Do they think it's something else? Like, do you have any of that where they're like, oh, I thought this was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, rarely. Rarely okay. do I have someone say, like, I think this is... I did have somebody come in once that was, like, really surprised that I was a woman because okay. my name's Logan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then really surprised that I was in, in their eyes so young. Oh, okay. Because I think someone had told them, like, it's really interesting, but some people call me, like, an energy healer. Yeah. So people will say, like, you need to go see my energy healer healer okay and they'll come in and I'm just like this is pretty typical like girl <laughs> <laughs> or woman I should say yeah. yeah yeah so but yeah nobody's ever a lot of people come in not knowing what to expect because what I do is really organic and intuitive okay. I don't really do the same thing with everyone I hold a container of space for somebody to share with me and hmm. then I ask questions okay yeah Interesting. So let's move on to some of of some of the more specific practices. Let's start with the breath because you touched on that. Mm -hmm. And um, you said you do a lot of what type of breathing with people? Pranayama. Pranayama. Mm -hmm. I just read a book called Breath by an author named James Nestor. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I have heard of that Um, book. And he used that term in there. I apparently didn't read well enough because I'm trying to remember exactly what that is. But prana is the life force, the energy, right? Exactly. Okay. And yama is just direction. Okay. So pranayama is different ways to breathe to move the life force energy in different directions in the body. Hmm. Now, are these, do you deal with mostly how you breathe as far as like coming from the physical world, but like, you know, breathing with your diaphragm, being able to expand the rib cage? Do you do a lot of that or is it more of the, the pace and the um, tempo of it or both? Both. Both, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you see a lot? Like, what is, what are some areas in our breathing that we are maybe not doing super effectively these yeah. days? Yeah. So a lot of people breathe into their chest, mm-hmm. right? So we call that like restrictive chest breathing versus belly breathing, deep mm-hmm. dia- diaphragmatic. Is that what you yeah, think? that's what I've heard. Diaphragmatic. <laughs> yeah, the, right? yeah. So. And maybe this book talks about that or or you know this, but I love explaining to people that like when you can stop and take a deep breath into your belly, you Mm -hmm. automatically start to calm your mind down and you connect into the parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. versus when you're breathing up here all the time, you're in the sympathetic nervous system and you're, you know, putting all of those stress hormones out in your body. And that's a lot of reason why people feel anxious. Yeah. And we can all relate to that because there's, I mean, everyone has anxiety, right? Right. We feel anxious about things sometimes. And you'll notice the second you feel anxious, you're breathing here. Mm -hmm. A panic attack essentially is the diaphragm, right? Seizing. And and you can't access that space. And you can't access. If you can access that space, you wouldn't be having a panic attack. Right. 
And then for people listening, so like parasympathetic, that's more a relaxed state. Sympathetic yes. is more our fight or flight, stressed out state. So exactly. if you're breathing into your chest, you're kind of forcing that a lot of times in places that probably it doesn't need to be. And it's, it's there for a reason. We use it. It's definitely kept us alive over yes. thousands of years. But as modern society, we tend to overuse it when we don't really need it as much. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people that I see, um, you know, a lot of people come here, they want an alternative perspective. Mm. They don't necessarily want to take medicine for their anxiety and depression, and they want to try a different path before they do that. Mm -hmm. Or they want to try a different path before surgery, like that yeah. kind of thing. They so, want to see if they can control the situation more themselves yes. first. Yeah. Yeah. Which a lot of times they can. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can't. And, and I also work like in, like I'm happy to work with people's therapists mm -hmm. or psychologists. And I'm definitely not against medicine. Right. It's very helpful. But a lot of times. It's overused. It's overused. Yes. And a lot of times people can learn these stress relief techniques on their own and mm -hmm. implement them. And if they practice them, <laughs> it works. <laughs> now with the breathing, do you also... Yeah deal a lot with so the thing I've been with my client and stuff is encouraging more and more because of this book nasal breathing and it yes. dives just deep into the all the problems that have been associated with well and the, the term you hear the term mouth breather that's a term term yeah. for a reason yeah um yeah so do you do you, you said you do deal a lot with that and teaching people like it's almost all nasal breathing mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of different practices I do so like for instance we at the basic level, I teach people belly breathing, okay. how to breathe so that they can relax themselves. Then I might teach some breath retention, like inhaling five, hold for five, mm. exhale five, hold for five. So I start to build those lung muscles, and they have to have a little bit more control of that. And then I teach things like... Um, Nadi Shodhana, also called alternate nostril breathing. Okay, yeah. yeah where I'll, you breathe yeah. through each nostril, or you could just do one-sided, right? So the left side is considered the more feminine cooling side. Right side is the more masculine heating side. Okay. So like a quick stress relief is to just breathe out of the left side, mm -hmm. deep belly breathing. Mm -hmm. I do breath of fire, which is like the quick inhale and exhale through the nose. Okay. Um... I do shitali pranayama, which is a, where you curl your tongue. If you can't curl your tongue, you puck your lips. You inhale through the mouth, exhale through the nose, and it cools hmm. the body down. Wow. Yeah, so all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> like, from that book, what, it, what he talked about, where, like, just the amount of control we can have over our body systems or whatever you want to call it, just through that alone, and, and it... And it's surprising. Like, I still remember as a kid, you know, the, one of the first things when things get frustrated, and I know my mom probably didn't even know why she said this, was just stop and take deep breaths. That's the most basic thing Absolutely. they do, but but then it works, right? And yes. if you ever, like, do that. And I've been trying to play around. The alternate nostril one's been interesting. And yes. maybe it's placebo effect, but that's all part of it as well. I mean, that's that's part sure. of the whole of everything we do. But it, to me, it, I have noticed it does feel like like that left nostril to calm down. Yeah. And then I've been experimenting as a more athletic person, right nostril to get the adrenaline up and like, okay, let's get excited yeah, yeah, for something. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see how that has played into what I do with my body and everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's really interesting. I I read something. I don't know how like factually true this is, but I'll look it up sometime. <laughs> but or you, maybe you'll look it up. But we dominantly breathe out of one side of the nostril all the time, and then after what like seven minutes or five minutes, it switches. Mm-hmm. So I do a like mindfulness meditation sometimes where I just have people sit and see which side they're dominantly breathing out of mm-hmm. and then consciously try to switch it to the other side. And yeah. that's just like a really easy, so much awareness and it's empowering because you start to realize like, oh my gosh, I have so much control over my intentions mm-hmm. in my body. Like if I can switch my breath from my right nostril to my left nostril, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I've, I've been experimenting with that as well. And it's it's... To me, you know, you could look it up or not, but if you believe in it, it's going to work. Sort of, to an extent. It'll get you. The intention, right? The intention of it, yeah. Yeah. But um, I've seen a lot personally and with people I know that where where they do have that control over it. Um, I mean, I always point out the reference of this is to the extreme, but um, are you familiar with Wim Hof? Yes. (laughs) This man, they they literally have injected him with like E. coli virus and watched him eradicate it from his body just through breathing. Like, like, like scientists are just like baffled. They have no Mm -hmm. answer for it. So like, if that's not proof enough that some of this works, you know, and that that's what we're capable of. I mean, he takes guys who are deconditioned, like not athletes or anything, gets them to climb mountains in ice barefoot and shirtless. And because again, the control of the breath and how that relates to the functions of our body, it's yes. it's amazing that type of stuff. And you know, not everyone needs to do that necessarily. <laughs> right. But what are the things that everyone can do to help to help themselves just live healthier and happier? And exactly. What do you think? Um, I feel like you know that was a natural thing we evolved with, but we've for whatever reason we've lost that connection what do you think that is or where like you know it it takes us meeting someone like you or reading the right book or looking into it or practicing it to actually figure that out rather than it being an instinct as much as that kind of surprises me i would think it would be there you know instinctually for us yeah we've just gotten so far away from connecting to nature and we're just too many other distractions with yeah. jobs and I mean, you would think birth and nursing would be instinctual. Right. It's not, it's not anymore. No. We need all these experts to tell us how to do it right and everything. Where Yeah, so if not even that. I mean, even pooping. Is, right, yeah. <laughs> like people need help with that. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I think it's just, I mean, it's just that. You go into the woods for a while. You go camping for a weekend without any of your stuff. You feel better yeah you sleep better but certain things happen because they have to they have to happen yeah. in some <laughs> cases or it's no right. go for you yeah. right but yeah I think it is that and I think one of the things I love about breath work and breathing and teaching people that stuff is that it's so empowering mm-hmm. it's like we've gotten away from the idea that we actually have control over so much and yeah. our physically and mentally and you know the consumer culture we're in really benefits from us not thinking that hmm. really benefits from us thinking that something we need external help yeah yeah that if you just get this one thing then you'll feel better yeah i mean that's that's our whole paradigm that we're in it is it's interesting yeah that, that's a good point that's i was curious to see what you said because that's kind of how i feel about things but I, I like to hear other perspectives on it to just see um besides the pranayama any other uh different breathing techniques do you use do you use tumo 
or any of that? No, no. I don't know what that is. Okay, I was kind of hoping you would tell me more about it because <laughs> oh, I, I remember from the book that's a more like intense, like I think the, the goal is to not over-oxygenate your blood, but to rid as much of the CO2 out of your body, I think is the goal of it. But that's more, I was going to ask you, I don't know as much about it, but I like the name of it, and so I was curious yeah. to see um, any other practices breathing-wise that you do. Um, no, not really. Not other than, you know, just implementing those into, like, your yoga practice, mm-hmm. like getting into postures and then trying those breaths in the postures. But I have, I mean, I know those other types of breathing and I've had experiences um, specifically with like kundalini kriyas and things mm. that, that can lead somebody to like out of body experiences. And yeah. I think that is super cool and very helpful for the paradigm shift that we're headed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those, like the Wim Hof stuff and that, yeah. those ideas, those concepts are are really cool to help expand people's awareness. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's very interesting how much we overlook our pretty much most basic human function. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that that at our core keeps us alive the most out of everything else. Uh-huh. And that we we kind of just take that for granted and don't explore like, well, you know, other than just bare minimum, what else can this do for us? Right. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar at all with kundalini? I've heard of kundalini yoga, which, which my only reference to that is people basically use it to create almost a psychedelic experience. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. They, they say it creates similar effects. People can actually like hallucinate or, like you said, out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. And it's just a form of really intense breathing and meditation. Is that... Do yeah. You, please feel free to correct me on and elaborate on any of this. That's definitely a part of it. Um so sometimes I will use some kundalini techniques and that just has to do with breath work to help open somebody's perspective or body like if energetically they're blocked somewhere okay might have them do a particular movement like with their arms while breathing a certain way or inhaling holding the breath and doing like navel Mm. pumping and that type of thing to just try to move the energy around yeah I think you know a lot of why we've gotten farther away from the breath too is we're just stagnant. Like mm. not you, obviously, but <laughs> a lot of people don't move a lot. No. And so like you're not pumping your lymph, you're not doing all these things that your body actually really Yeah, the blood's needs not flowing to through. Keep like you healthy. It, yeah. yeah. So by doing some of the kundalini stuff, I find that it does help to just move the energy in the body. And sometimes mm. that alone can make somebody just feel a lot better, yeah. feel motivated, feel inspired. So before we move on to the next, just what are the most bang for your buck advice for people listening? Like as far as like, okay, gaining a little more control over your breath and for, for your own health, well-being and um, mm-hmm. you know, mental state. Like other than YouTube, <laughs> other than, yeah. Well, just just simple things like just you know, always to me it comes close your mouth is the number one I tell people. Oh yeah. Um, you know, try and expand things like that. Anything else that you can think of, just. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yes. Check out YouTube. Or you can check out for sources. Come see you for advice on that. Yeah. Um, um I feel like saying that I think when we're looking for distraction because we all like look for distraction a lot right now with our phones and things yeah that try to go a day without 
picking up your phone unless you absolutely need to and mm-hmm. instead like practice deep breathing it's mm-hmm. like if you're in the car and you get that trigger to like want to grab the phone yeah. like stop put your hands on the wheels and just breathe I got one. I know that people do this because I've done this. When you're on the toilet and you have your phone, put that down. Yes. <laughs> and breathe. Yeah, yeah, and breathe. <laughs> when you're in your bed at night, when you're in your put bed that at down, night. light yeah. a candle and breathe. Okay. Yeah. So take some time away from the distraction and just set an intention for yourself at that moment. Yeah. You'd probably be able to, I bet once you do that, you'd be able to at least figure some of it out intuitively, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 There's so much untapped intuition, I think, that we all have. But yeah, if you can limit those distractions and just create space to go in, despite being resistant to Mm -hmm. it, a lot can, you can reveal a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about these cards on the table. Okay. Cool. Are those tarot cards? (laughs) Yes. This deck is a tarot deck. All right. Um... I know very little about it other than I've I've pulled one or two over my lifetime. Someone told me what it meant and I read the thing and I kind of overlooked it, but let's let's dive into that. Talk to me about Okay, cool. the purpose of these. Cool. So I use these cards. This is the Wild Unknown Tarot Guidebook from Kim Kranz. Okay. And I was attracted to these in particular because the artwork is really beautiful. It's all um Free-handed, so the artist did not use any rulers or anything to create the design. So I'm very attracted to the art in this deck. And I will use these mostly to prompt us to go deeper into something. So, like, if I'm with a client and they feel stuck or they don't know what they want to talk about, we'll pull cards. Okay, so they're just thought-provoking. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Where where do these originate from? I've never asked anyone. Like, what what is, if you know, if you don't, feel free to... Like tarot in general? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I think that there are definitely different areas of tarot because I know a lot of it can kind of be, like, Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... Mm-hmm. I know that, like, some of the, like, medium or psychic practices tend to use those for certain things. Mm-hmm. I don't... Again, I, I my understanding is very limited as far as... Um, so you, you typically said it's it's more to provoke thought. It's not so much... You don't hold stake in, like, this is meaning this for you. No. It's just open the question up. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't like do, that. like... I wouldn't say I do like a tarot reading for anyone. Okay. Gotcha. It's more like let's pick a card or you pick a card and like see what you think about it. Like sometimes I use the guidebook, sometimes I don't. Okay. Sometimes I'm just like, hmm, what do you like? And we'll ask the cards a question. It's like yeah. you can ask, like I'm feeling really stuck or blocked. Like what what do I need to go in, in the direction I'm wanting to go in? Okay. And like we'd see what card showed up. Interesting. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's now, like a magic eight ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little more options and some some pretty artwork on it. Yeah. Are these same as well, so or what are these? These are ones? inspirational cards. Um, okay. Gabrielle Bernstein, who's an um, author, she these are her words, and again, someone else's artwork, but um, they're just. They're just positive, so sometimes we'll okay. come at the beginning. But like this one says, I surrender to a power, power greater than me. Perfect. <laughs> I am a spirit having a human experience, and I'm here to get closer to love. Another good one. These are... Oh, that's a long one. <laughs> <laughs> when I lean on the faith of the universe, peace becomes real. Okay. So I'm always interested in that stuff because 
they get like cliched with like you know these sayings and people overlook them and it's like mm -hmm. it's I don't think it's so much important as what that is is what you gain from it you know yeah. and kind of that like you said like you know we're not going to take too much stock in what that says but let's just see how it makes us feel about it like what does that prompt you to do and then and then go from there again after a while you probably forget what that even said but that yes. that puts you in a direction I had a professor, I love this saying he said, and I think it applies to a lot of people and it kind of overlaps with this, but like people, you won't, people won't remember so much what you say so much as how you made them feel. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of plays in with that energy. What kind of vibe, vibration does that give you type of thing like that? Exactly. That's really cool. I never, I'm glad that we kind of went over that right there. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I really encourage people to have a contemplative practice. Yeah. So I will suggest these as tools. Hmm. Like, you know, in the morning or whenever the time is, like light a candle, sit, pull a card. Hmm. See what it brings up. Yeah. Let it be your mantra for the day. Let it be like something you remember throughout the day. And Yeah, if you're stuck and you, you're having trouble setting a direction or intention, sometimes it's easier just to react <laughs> to yeah. something else first. And, and it's fun. It like is. The, yeah, there's like... Can we, I, can we pull one of yeah, those? Yeah, there's like a joy in, in seeing what you get. So I always just divide them into three, and then I'll let you point to the top of one. Okay. Ace of Cups. All right, so what, so, Ace of Cups, interesting. There's a picture of a little chalice, or I don't know what else you call it, but I don't know exactly what this one would make me think maybe right now maybe I'm in the right spot if this is I always think ace of spades but <laughs> ace of cups yeah hmm. ace aces in general in the tarot deck are like beginnings okay well it would make sense if this is one of the first ones I'm doing with this <laughs> and we're just getting started. Do you want me to read to you what it says? Yes, we can let's, see let's it elaborate because I'm I'm a little I'm a little lost honestly. I love it. It's like yeah, it's a it's a cup that looks like it has gold like coming in or out of it, right? Yes, yeah. Love's beginnings. Aces mark the beginning of exciting new phases. Since the suit of cups deals specifically with love and emotion, you're in for a real treat. Expect to enter a blissful time of health, joy, and friendship. A new love could be on the horizon. You may feel that you're making a whole new start. Just go with it and allow this feeling to revitalize your spirit. Interesting. I've been on a little mission like that over the last few months myself, so... Well, okay. this is your cards. <laughs> it might be. It might be perfectly fitting. No, I'm always about new beginnings and stuff like that, so that makes sense. And maybe this is, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like you prop like, in your work, I don't know a ton about what you do, but I feel like you probably give people hope and, like, yeah. help them to have a new beginning. I do have a lot of people that their bodies this is their first time doing that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Again, you know, not take too much stock in what that no. is, but it's it is funny to yeah. see how you can apply it. And you can just everything. glimpse at the cards cuz they are if this part's boring, Oh, these are really cool. No. But the artwork is amazing and they're definitely not they're very different. Like some are kind of dark and scary she and don't even say anything. Yeah. Just <laughs> scary. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, the card you pull, I do feel it can be, have some significant meaning. That's interesting. Um, 
So other than that, the the purpose of these is pretty much just thought provoking for you. Absolutely. Right on. Yeah, I'm not reading anyone's future. <laughs> uh, may, maybe that you not you don't know it. Maybe you are, and you just don't realize it. Who knows? Right. Maybe that's the part love of the fun. Of your is, life. <laughs> that's part of the fun, though, is the mystery of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, well, if I meet the love of my life, I'll let you know then, because say, obviously this worked. Obviously, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> So other practices that you use, um, you said you use a little bit of yoga, like some some type of movement, things mm-hmm. like that. What what type of things do you do with people for that, for the the physical movement or, mm-hmm. or lack thereof? Maybe you practice stillness. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's good. I aim for healthy balance. Okay. Um, I definitely encourage people to be physically active if they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if somebody's like not active at all, it can be like walking. Like, go for a walk every day around the block. Don't bring your headphones. Yeah. <laughs> Just observe and, like, yeah. So, and yoga for sure. I do love Pilates. I think it's amazing at strengthening and what it can offer. And, yeah, really any physical form of movement that people enjoy, I encourage them to do. Okay. So a lot of people, like, will have done something in the past but haven't done it in a long time. So I'll encourage them, get back into that. Okay. Try that out again. Yeah. Yeah, so whether it's swimming or biking or hiking in the woods, I try to encourage people to to stay with a physical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do anything in your meetings with them that's like that? Like, do you incorporate some yoga or some light stretching or anything like that? Sometimes, Sometimes I do. Yeah. I teach a yoga class every week, too. Okay. So I'll encourage people to, like, come to that yoga mm-hmm. class if they're working with me. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. But just encourage an active lifestyle, whatever that be, is to your interest. Just keep moving. Yeah. And that's that's what I tell people, too. Just I tell keep moving. everyone, like, you don't even have to really come see me. Just, just be doing stuff. You and know, make and it be fun. Right. Yeah. Like, enjoy it, you know? Don't, Absolutely. like, do it because you, like, have to do it and you're doing it because, like, you hate the way you look and you, like, want to look better. Right. Like, well, so I like boring. That you, <laughs> I like that you said when it's, like, go for a walk but don't do it, like, with headphones or anything. Like, just observe. I, I'm one of my friends. It's funny. Like, I, I've been doing a lot of trails lately. And I've been doing it more for, like, the fitness aspect. So, like, I'm moving at a pace and stuff. Yeah. And I one day was like, oh, you want to go? with me and like let's go and this will be fun and I was like at first like why is he moving so slow like we're not getting anywhere and he was talking about later he's like yeah the people always make fun like I'm like the slowest mover on the trails but he's like because I'm seeing so much of what we're what we're walking by rather than just walking by it yeah and it was kind of cool to like think about oh like yeah what am I missing by not just enjoying it like I I I'm all for, you know, go run, go walk fast, go get your fitness in but yeah. sometimes do take that time to just Take it in and relax about it a little bit. You're still moving. Yeah. You're still going. It's the balance. Yeah. Balance is so important in everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about your teas and herbs next. Okay. Okay. So you do a little. Actually, let's go. Let's go diet first, and then we'll go into that. So you said you use diet techniques for people. Yes. Um, and again, probably it's all over the place. But what are some common things you see with people and adjustments that you have to make to help them get to what they need. Yeah. For sure, like with um, a beginner that's just coming here and knows nothing about Ayurveda, Mm -hmm. I look at their diet and really try to get them to a whole foods diet. Mm -hmm. So I really just try to discourage anything processed. Yes. 
um, any refined sugar. I love that. Yeah, and I just try to get them just eat real food. Yeah. Just like eat real food that will like mold if you don't eat it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of that more, definitely more plant based. Like get mm-hmm. more vegetables, seasonal ideally. Okay. Why seasonal? Just okay. So I feel that. From an Ayurvedic perspective, a mm-hmm. big part of us understanding our own elements and being in like resonance with the elements around us is to eat seasonally. Okay. Like our bodies naturally, right now we're going into fall and mm-hmm. so everything's drying out, sort of. We're yeah. having a weird season. But well, like, we're in Cincinnati, yeah. so who knows? <laughs> it's all a little different. Yeah. But we start to, it starts to get cooler and it starts to dry out. So our bodies start to dry out, our skin gets drier. So we're wanting to move away from those more like raw salad stuff that we eat in the summer because it's hot. So we're able to like digest things that are not cooked and we're able to easily kind of digest whatever's fresh out of your garden that you can pick up and eat. Okay. Whereas as we're getting into fall, we're getting more into like those gourds and those root vegetables. And that's a very Ayurvedic thing is like Mm. that you would need that balance of the earth of those like heavier things that you're going to cook with like some spices and stuff to help ground you. Okay. That's very interesting. Yeah, I've always felt like, I've always wondered if it's we're better off now because we have access to all the foods all the time, healthy-wise, um, as right. far as, like, I could get any vegetable I want at any time. Is yeah. that, that going to make me more of an optimal human? Or are we missing that we're supposed to be part of this natural cycle or system that's already in play where we would eat what is available because back in the day that was our only choice and that's kind of how we got along with the rest of nature. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's probably, you're, you feel more like it, it's that way where like this, it's a, it all works together how it's kind of supposed to or that's how it's been and that's how we kind of mesh and make, make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I think that eating seasonally, especially when you're in a place that has four seasons mm-hmm. like this, is a much more natural thing to do. Okay. Um, because science has come so far and we know so much more about nutrition, I think, of course, it's smart to, like, you know, bring in some things that you might not have access to, like if it is um, kale or spinach or if it's just, like, too expensive for you to buy that locally. Mm-hmm. I still think it's smart to, like, okay. bring so, those in. So to the balance of it, you're saying it's still good that we have the variety that we can and that you could get all the nutrients you needed year-round yeah. and not miss out on it. but. To maybe pay attention a little bit more to, like, the seasons and, like, well, what is, like, that's it. I've never heard that before. I never thought about that as far as the digestion being easier when it's warmer versus when it's colder. Yes. And what that can cause. Yeah, and why it would make sense to have, like, soups and stews and, you know, you're going to be turning on your oven and baking bread in those cooler months to help heat the house. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that 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 is that is truly holistic right there because yeah. it's all all together. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So what what other kind of diet practices? So I I love the whole foods thing. That's my number one. I tell everyone it's the easiest from, from a health standpoint yes. and from a digestion standpoint. I tell everyone the less steps it took to get from what it was to get in your belly, the better. Absolutely. Um, that's just the way we're meant to process it. Yes. It's, it's almost really hard to find something in nature that is going to be really unhealthy for you. Now everything has its minimal effective and its maximum lethal dose. Every, yes. every substance does, yeah. even water. But um, right. but 
as far as foods that are edible, it's kind of pretty hard to stray from something that's going to be beneficial to you when you're just keeping it whole food Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. And I like our family were really into cooking. Like my husband is a chef and like, Oh yeah. Yeah, he Oh, that's all. Oh, that's and lucky. He loves that's nutrition. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so like he's really into making healthy food and I think it was like a Michael Pollan book or something he read a, a few years ago and it said something like you can eat whatever you want as long as you make it from scratch. Yeah. And I love that concept because it's like, how often are you going to have potato chips if like you have to make, make them it. from scratch? Right. But how much will you enjoy them and like have pleasure in that? Like, and the energy that you put into that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah, as long as you don't have like an allergy or intolerance to things, like yeah, make make cookies. Yeah. You know, like once a month or like with your kids and like the. The kitchen being that like center of the home and just sharing and cooking and sharing what you've cooked and everyone enjoying it like that feels so healthy and important. Yeah. What Michael Pollan book? Do you know? I don't know. Okay, I was just curious because I've I've only looked into his one on mushrooms called How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm be interested to see some of his other work, but I'll look that up later. Yeah, it I, was one of his newer <laughs> ones. But yeah, we just love that concept. Like when. Um, I'm I'm a pretty healthy eater, you know. I like I like sweets and I like yeah. scones and things, but like um, or chocolate or whatever. But when I was pregnant, I really craved some unhealthy stuff, and it was hard for me because I was like, I feel so sick, and I only want to eat this. But at the same time, that goes against like everything I think and how I was. So once I was past that like super nauseous point, we really got into just like if I wanted something, we would make it and yeah. we would enjoy it. Yeah. So, like, if it was lasagna, if it was, like, whatever thing that I wouldn't normally eat, we were just like, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to get really good ingredients. We're going to get, like, grass-fed beef, and we're just mm-hmm. going to make it from scratch and just really enjoy it. Absolutely. So that really changed my perspective on, like, you know, I don't like the idea of being restrictive. Yeah. I think that's really unhealthy. I think that if you're craving something and you're craving it for, like, a while, go get the go healthiest ingredients you can find and make it and, like, share it with people you love. Yeah. I think that's huge, that make-it-yourself thing where I, the, they always say, like, home-cooked meals taste better because they're made with love. But, like, in a sense, like, really, like, that, that energy you put into it and how you feel about it. I mean, they've, they've proven that eating something and feeling about it in two different ways, your body will literally process it in different ways. If you ate a pizza and you're all upset because, oh, I went against my diet and I did that and blah, 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 it'll actually be harder to digest than if you just go, I enjoyed that, I had a good time, it tasted great, I feel good about it. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you create resistance, mm. right? Like if it, when you eat something, you're digesting it and all of your energy needs to go to digesting it digesting it versus if you're like having worry and fear and anxiety then all your energy is going up into your head mm-hmm. and you get this of course then nothing's going to digest as well uh, yeah that absolutely makes sense besides whole food stuff what do you recommend any other type of things that you do with as far as diet with people yeah and seasonal as well so that's another one that you encourage is eat seasonally absolutely um i would like more general obviously with with clients it can get so specific right Right. because they'll have specific concerns or allergies or intolerances that we're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. but yeah for almost everyone i really encourage people like drinking warm water in the morning with Mm -hmm. lemon or apple cider vinegar in it okay like that's a dietary thing that really helps to cleanse our digestive system um even tongue scraping so Mm -hmm. we have a tongue scraper and it's 
kind of hypothesized in Ayurveda that all of the organs are represented on the tongue. Mm. So like I do tongue diagnosis where I look at people's tongues and kind of see, I can see what's going on internally by looking at their tongue. Okay. So when you scrape the tongue, it's awakening all of the organs and saying, hey, we, we woke up, we're getting ready to digest food, huh. start like pumping and working. Where does one get a tongue scraper? You can get them anywhere now. I'm sure you probably could. Yeah, yeah. Whole Foods, Kroger. Does brushing my tongue count? No. No, it's no. different. Okay. It's different. Huh. The brushing the tongue actually push can push the toxins deeper oh, well, in. Okay. Well, learning something new here. You want to scrape that tongue and then drink the warm water. Okay. Um, we do a lot of like a lot of stuff with oil for self-care. So one of the things we do is oil in the mouth, oil pooling, oil swishing, where you put unrefined, ideally unrefined organic sesame oil in the mouth and you swish it around for okay. anywhere from like one to 10 minutes. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it helps to pull all the unhealthy bacteria and stuff out of the mouth, which as you probably know, your health starts in the mouth. Yeah. So like the health, your oral health is really so important for the rest of your body and system. We put oil up the nose called nausea oil. So you could use that same unrefined organic sesame, put it in your palm, use your pinky, and actually rub it up into the nasal as far as you can. Oh, wow. That really helps if you're doing a lot of pranayama and breathing. Yeah. Also creates a, a barrier from, like, pollen and things that people may be allergic to so they don't go as far into the sinuses. Hmm. You don't get as sick. Now, where does that stem from? Like, how did they, like someone figure out to put that kind of oil up your nose. Yeah. (laughs) It's so Ayurvedic. So oil goes everywhere because the thought is as we get older, our bodies dry out, and that's Mm. a huge part of why we age. Mm. So like oil in the nose helps us retain smell and helps us obviously not get as sick. But if we can retain smell and taste, like we're generally going to be healthier. Okay oil in the ears to help retain like the softness in the ears yeah um yeah the oil all over the body it's called abhyanga oil massage helps to keep the skin like young and healthy now how much of that do you use so i've I've always been of like a little bit of school thought of like minimal effective doses when it comes to that stuff now that's more i'm getting away from all the standard lotions and stuff more into like what a single ingredient oils or like you know Mm -hmm. basic products but it's like if you i feel like if you're always constantly providing that to your skin then your skin tends to lack the development of its own natural oils is that Mm -hmm. i don't know do you find that at all or in your practice no no okay not with the ayurvedic um oils because they're so specific okay and a big part of that process is that it cleanses so it's thought to bring the toxins out of the skin your biggest organ into the surface so when you shower it just you shower afterwards and it washes that first layer of oil off and Mm kind of keeps that second layer that's soaked into the skin okay i I figured with more of the basic products because one of the examples i used to is like like these you know shampoo it strips away all the oils in people's hair and and at first, to say, like, well, then wash your hair, like, once a week or something. I sweat too much to do that. Yeah. So I, I found that I switch, when I switch to a more natural base, there's, like, three ingredients in my shampoo that it doesn't strip it of those natural oils. So I could see that being pretty similar as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, when it's natural, your body responds way better right. to it than some unnatural Yeah, it's, the, the reaction is a lot less, or it's unnoticeable or negligible to the point. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, some people, you know, as we get into to fall and winter, get really dry skin. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like that is uncomfortable. Like right. you have to do something. Absolutely. And then obviously internal, like you would eat more ghee, more oils. So mm. you want to address everything from both. Do you ingest any oils directly? I do. Yeah. 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 What kind of stuff? I mean, I was doing more coconut oil, like, in okay. the summer. Yeah. I would put coconut oil, like, in our coffee, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But as we're going into fall, it's more ghee. So I'll what just, is ghee? Ghee is clarified butter. And what is clarified butter? <laughs> clarified butter is when you gently boil butter and the solids separate. Okay. So the actual lactose is separated out. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And it's thought to be, like... Um, they make, they put it a lot in like the paleo and keto like um, bulletproof kind of stuff. We'll have yeah. a lot of like clarified butter and coffee okay. to make it like creamy. Yeah, but it's it's a staple in Ayurveda that okay. people use for cooking mostly. But then when you're doing any type of cleansing, you can definitely it can be part of the protocol that you would actually take like tablespoons at a time of oh, wow. to help go through the system and pull toxicity out. Hmm. Yeah. So is that are you, what what part? So you're separating. What part are you taking? What part is the is the ghee? So you're just taking the, I guess the clarified part. The, the you're taking everything but the lactose that separates. Right. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And and it does separate out like the, I think like some type of fat or something as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I haven't heard of that, but I just know that there's there's different types of like the the big in the health world is the MCT oil, which is medium chain mm-hmm. triglycerides, which is a certain type of fat that's supposedly going to help you digest things and push things through your digestive system. So I'm sure that's the westernized version of yeah. something similar that you're practicing. Yeah. Okay. Most likely. Now with when, since we're on oils. What about all the essential oils you got going on here? And you have got some spray bottles up there, some other things. There what are, what there types are a of lot things? Of oils in here, huh? Yeah. What do you uh, use those mostly for? Do you do a lot of diffuser work? Do you apply a lot directly? Both. 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 So the oils, I, I really like them because. I just, as simple as it is, I just really enjoy how they smell. Okay. And, like, I feel like when we smell something, it can has such muscle memory, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can smell something and you'll be like, I remember that's, like, what my mom's nightgown smelled like when I was little. Yeah. Like whatever lotion she used. Yeah. Or, you know, like, that smell or a song. Like, those senses can just bring you back to a time mm-hmm. and space. So when people are in here and they're experiencing... Like being deeply relaxed for the first time maybe ever or in a long time. I like to use the oils and then give them oils to bring home so that when they're practicing at home themselves, it kind of pulls them back to the space. Gotcha. So you you don't use like specific ones for specific purposes? I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of it's intuitive or I'll even have the client smell them and tell me which ones they like. Yeah. And I'll trust that that's their body, like seeking that alignment. But I'm definitely um, like don't think oils are going to like cure anything. Right. But I use them. (laughs) Some people do. I know. I know. I should clarify. But I use them. Mostly for their 
relaxing benefits and then they're like motivational benefits okay so like if you have a lavender it's going to relax you that's what yeah i've been told lavender to help right. you sleep and we things like that this. eucalyptus i've been told for like any kind of stuffiness yes. or stuff like, and it's worked i mean exactly yeah. And then, like, things like wild orange are going to be, like, more uplifting. Mm -hmm. So I use them in in a very simple um, way like that. Okay. And I do, I mean, I do like that they're a tool in in the apothecary. Like, I do like at home, like, if my, you know, son is congested, I can, like, put a little peppermint oil on on a cotton thing and, like, kind of put it under his nose or let yeah. him hold it and like it clears his sinuses or put lavender on the bottom of his feet and it helps him sleep mm-hmm. like they are they're nice and and as far as having less ingredients in the products you use they're great for that kind of right. stuff they're like usually if you're just making one your own, or a few blends maybe but but yeah if you're making your own shampoo or lotion like be great to drop a couple of drops that you like in there yeah yeah now you're talking about i like your thing about smell and memory and Another kind of undervalued or underexplored um, feature we have is that that smell and what that tells us subconsciously about things. Yeah. Does your practice deal with anything else in that kind of realm? Like, I'm sure you use like oils for that kind of therapy, but does anything else like that fall under your umbrella? Not really. I'm trying to think. Like, the senses are definitely an important part of Ayurveda. Like, mm-hmm. we look at the five senses. Um, and I know that smell relates to earth element. So I feel like there is something that that is an untapped thing that does help ground us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's. I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about this is not so much with the earth, but smell being, like, um, a natural way that, we as humans can see the chemistry of someone else's like genetics and like mm-hmm. that they, they were using the example of uh why people who are attracted to someone's body odor like is a, like a really good connection because yeah. like your body like naturally tells because of that smell like they have the genes i'm missing out on and like that's just what's fascinating that like we subconsciously know that yeah even though all we really perceive is just the original like oh that's what that smells like like yeah 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 that's wild but i do think like when your system becomes cleaner like when you do eat more whole foods and you practice meditation and mindfulness your senses do elevate they hone a little more yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, there's there's research done into people like, you know, reversing their eyesight and improving things yes. or their hearing that's going on. So it's we have more control over those things than we uh, think we do sometimes. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the oils are are fun, and then I have a like an herb cabinet. So yeah, what's different... what's all in there too? So let's we move on <laughs> to the herbs and everything as well because we did we touched on diet, but what what all do you have in there? I see a couple jars full of things. Yeah. So I have a lot. I have about 15 ayurvedic herbs that I just really resonate with. We call them like your allies. Okay. So when you're learning ayurveda, I I took an herbology class as part of that training. And there are some herbs that I just really like. Yeah. Like, I just like them. Like, I just feel like they're going to, they help me, they're going to help other people. So I kind of have my 15 allies that I use to mix formulas for people. Okay. And then they take those specific formulas two to three times a day to help bring balance. Now, what is it about herbs? Like, okay, so 
like eat food, but then there's herbs, which are kind of the slightly different category, which is almost the more medicinal than than just, um, I don't know, like regular food, regular nutrients is like that base, like, okay, this is good, keep us healthy, but then that extra level of treatment, what is it about herbs that sets that apart? Yeah. I was wondered, kind of. Yeah, like the food is the medicine, yeah. but also the herbs can be medicine. I think the main difference is, I mean, these herbs that I'm using are, they're dried forms of different stems and fruits and leaves, mm-hmm. and they're nothing that would taste good. Okay. Like, you, if you ate it, it, if you put it in a dish, it would like ruin the dish. Yeah. So... It's interesting that we look at the system and like the different tissues in the body, so different organs and different layers, as having different properties. And those properties can be similar to in a plant. Mm. So, like if the body is, um, let's use like reproduction, okay. for example, we would want to use like the flowering part of the plant hmm. for the reproductive organs. Okay. Mm hmm. So we would want to use, if it's like a grounding issue or um, like a lot of grounding issues, you know, stem from the nervous system, Mm -hmm. we would want to use like the roots of the plant. Okay. And what about like, so a lot of like healing herbs, what do those come from? Like, um, like for like wounds and things like that. Okay. Like things that are going to regenerate. Yeah. I think mostly from like the, the bark because inside the bark has that kind of jelly consistency okay mm-hmm. that's interesting i never thought to explore that i mean that makes sense right like if you're gonna diagnose the problem area treat it with something that's of that area that that works mm-hmm. okay now what do you how do you get people to take those since they don't taste good yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i am a purist in this way that i don't encapsulate my herbs okay so some people do that mm-hmm. I don't because I think that the way it tastes on your tongue is a really important part of the digestion. Mm. So I will have, at a base level, I have people mix a small amount, like a fourth to a half a teaspoon, and then put it in their mouth, don't breathe, and use warm water to swallow it down. So it's kind of like a fast thing. They still taste it, and it doesn't taste great, but some are more bitter than others. But sometimes if that's not, like, if somebody can't do that, I have them mix it with honey. Okay. A little tiny bit of raw honey, yeah, and then do it like that. Okay, just to help mush it down mm-hmm. nice and quick. I like that you said, and I, I'm guilty. I take capsule vitamins, but I always like had wondered like, that's an interesting point you talked about that taste being important. Like if it's it's that first signal to let your body kind of know what's coming. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe tasting something lets your body know what kind of enzymes to release so that they can break down yes. whatever that's coming in most efficiently. Exactly. And as your body balances, the taste will change of what you're tasting. So my teacher, there's a really famous Ayurvedic formula called triphala. Okay. Triphala, three fruits. And one is for each of the doshas, which the doshas are just the different elements put into three categories that each of us have, which is another topic. But um, triphala is a really lovely herbal formula that is tridoshic, meaning anyone can take it, will help anybody. And you take it at night and it helps you to eliminate in the morning. Okay. Really cleans your system out. And he says if you're if you're really toxic, it's gonna taste really bitter. And you'll know that you can stop tasting it or stop taking it once it tastes sweet to you. 
Hmm. So it's like as the body balances. So as you're okay, so as you're getting better, that it's tasting sweet is letting you know that you don't need it as much. Or okay, yeah, that seems weird. That why would why would it change to something that's more palatable? Right. <laughs> when you when you don't need it versus when you would want it. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's because like I mean. Our, we are so sensitive to bitter mm-hmm. in America because, like, very few of our foods are bitter. Right. Coffee, that's it. And people put sugar and cream in it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I think a part of it is, like, the the bitter quality of the food creates almost, like, an astringency where it tones and tightens mm. the organs of the body. Okay. So, like... If you think about people that have digestive issues like leaky gut and mm-hmm. things like that where essentially the intestines are not toned enough. They're weak. Mm. And so that's why your digestion is slow. That's why there's constipation. That's why there's a leaky gut situation going on. So if the herbs go in and they tonify it and tonify it, mm-hmm. it's going to take that bitterness and that astringency to tighten it. Okay. You know, like astringent, like... Um, like, if you have something bitter in your mouth or astringent, like cranberry juice or pomegranate juice, you know how it kind of sucks the moisture out of your mouth? Yeah. That's what it's doing inside the body. Okay. So it's tonifying it. So then once it's toned, your body's not going to per- perceive it so much as as I need this to latch onto and suck all the moisture out. It's going to become sweet hmm. and indicate, like, oh, now we can just flow through the body. We're not, we don't have much work to do. We don't need to go in and tonify do you think that has anything to do with like acquired taste? That same mechanism of things, like like I uh, was like alcohol tastes like that. Like I remember when I first tried wine, I was like, I don't, this is not for me. Now I love it. Like I don't know what it is, <laughs> but something like that where it was what was doing whatever it needed to, and now I adjusted to it. I don't know. Maybe it's an uh, interesting concept, but it like it's not that. I like this idea of like acquired taste because it's not that the bitter taste is what we don't want and the sweet taste is what we do want. Okay. Right? Right. Like they're not inherently bad or good. No. (laughs) They just are. They're just different. Yeah. Yeah, They're just different. And like our body uses the six tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent Hmm. to balance different things in the body. Okay. Right? The two tastes that build are salty and sweet. I was going to say, why do we crave those two so much, do you think? Well, a couple of reasons. One, because they build, they ground. Okay. So if if we are ungrounded in our mind and in our soul, like we have anxiety and we don't know why we're here, our body naturally is going to crave things that are going to make us bigger so that we're heavier on the earth. Wow. Okay. So it's interesting, though, if you take salty and sweet out of your diet you will lose weight very quickly Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) and those other tastes that we're not so familiar with are actually really beneficial like i was saying that the bitter is like really good for your liver it Mm. helps to tonify and clarify and cleanse and like sour is really good for the lungs and all of these things that ideally your meals have each six tastes in there. Okay. So even if that's like squeezing a lime on there or adding some toasted coconut flakes to get that sweet or having some um, seaweed to have that natural salty. Okay. And each, each one of those tastes are going to benefit and tone something in the body. Wow. 
That's very interesting. And then that's okay. And so do your herbs cover pretty much those ranges that we're missing out on? Yes. And that helps you get that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when selecting them, you said you select them because they're just ones that that you had liked. Um, yeah, like how you just kind of try it yourself and then determine, like, this this is what I like and then experiment with the people that you have and see what they like. Is that kind of... Yeah. 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 I mean, the 15 that I have cover a range of things, but okay. um, I have some that I always kind of go to, and those are more for, like, mind shifting. So they are, like, people that see me are wanting to get out of one pattern mm-hmm. that they're, like, basically, you know, their neuropathways are stuck in. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to get to a different pattern. So a lot of my herbs assist in that. Okay. So they're more mental things to help calm and shift habits. And then at the same time, a lot of my herbs are hormonal balancing because that is something that a lot of us have out of balance. Yes, yeah, the, that hormonal or endocrine system, whatever you want to call it, is a, another factor that we ignore a lot of. Yes. And it's all out of whack. Yes, so a lot of those herbs are meant to, to help bring those in balance. Okay. So besides, so we've been over the, the breath, a little bit of movement, Diet, herbs, oils, you even touched on the, the cards and the prompting. <laughs> what other techniques do you use as well in your practice? I think that's pretty much it. I mean, okay. I do use crystals. Oh, talk to me. Let's. I want to hear about crystals now. <laughs> so I, I have very little experience with crystals, but I've had pleasant experiences with them. So Yeah. I think crystals are amazing. I mean, they come from within the earth, and they're, like, such a gift for us to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them have different properties. I know, like, you can get super into that, and certain things are for certain things. But, again, those are, like, intuitive messages that I get when I'm working on people. Okay. I, I will get the sense, like, you know, it may be helpful to wear, like, a rose quartz necklace, or it mm. may be helpful to wear a bracelet that has this stone on it. And then um, people like that. They like something tangible yeah. and physical. I think it's great to help them remind themselves of what they're working on. Yeah. And they they just feel amazing. Like when you when you do lay down and you put the crystals on your body or you hold the crystals in your hand while you're talking, they can really help to ground you and create clarity. Now, what is it about the crystals that, because you see in a lot of different practices that people use, um, what is it about them that, that, like you said, it's it's a feeling, but kind of, you think it's the property of what they're made from? You think it's something to do with, because one of the big things is always like the colors stand out, so I don't know if it's the, the light kind of therapy from it, mm-hmm. like, you know, seeing that different tones of light or lack thereof. Um, what, 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 what attracts people to that so much, in your opinion? Or, I, or why do you find yeah. yourself, yeah. I think it's the energy in them. I think that they hold energy from where they've come from, Mm -hmm. and usually those places are old and wise. (laughs) So I guess my point being, why so much this this versus the wood that's this table? You know, like why that element versus that? Yeah. Plus, they're such a symbol of transformation, right? Like the way that crystals are formed Mm -hmm. by excessive pressure is like... I, I don't know. I think there's something comforting in that. Okay. Um, and so you do that where you'll lay crystals on people, or like you'll give them certain, like you said, you'll give them a type of necklace mm-hmm. or something like that to kind of hold on to and remind them. Mm-hmm. 
that's really cool. Yeah. The energy is so strong in them. Have you ever done that, like, crystal test where you hold something in your hand and you squeeze your hand together and you try to no. let somebody open it? Oh, we should do it. Okay. Like, walk me through this. Okay. I'm going to give you this one. This is okay. just a, a quartz. Quartz crystal. Okay. And then you put it in this hand. Okay. And then bring your thumb and your first finger together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then hold this one really tight. Okay. So I'm going to try to pull these apart. You're strong. <laughs> Good. Okay, now put the crystal down and hold your phone in your hand. Okay. And I'm going to try to pull these apart. Oh, wow. <laughs> no that way. Crazy? That's wild. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, for people listening, I had the crystal in my hand and I was squeezing it tight. My pointer finger and my thumb were touching together. And when I was holding the crystal, squeezing tight, trying to keep those together, she tried to pull them apart. Not so much success. Then I switched, held my phone tight in my hand. She went to do the same thing, and they came apart like nothing. And that's that's pretty wild. That so so what 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 do you think? I'm getting energy from that. That's helping me. What do, do you that? What do you think that means? Hmm. Uh, that would be my guess. Somehow I'm accessing some kind of energy that's giving me that extra ability. Now, I always talk about strength being a neural thing. It's mm -hmm. our body's ability to access and recruit the muscle. That's why you see the stories of moms lifting cars off their kids like that, yes. like, you know, those freak situations. Um, and most of the time, there's a self, there's a, a governor or whatever you want to call it, um, limiting that for your own self-defense reasons to not injure something, but that it's always possible to gain more and to me, that's like for whatever reason, holding that granted me that access to that that specific strength in that moment. Yeah. And the phone did not provide me with that. And also, maybe I have even more of a negative effect because of all the electromagnetic fields coming from it, disrupting my own fields, that vibration, that energy. Exactly. And, and people who have listened to me talk on this podcast before with some of the other stuff, you know, like that is a big thing that's why you'll notice when you if you go out camping and you leave all that stuff behind and you turn your phone off like you literally have a clearer head mm -hmm. there's all kinds of this stuff flying around with us and yes um as much good as it brings we and not saying to get rid of all your stuff and all your possessions but Burn keep them. in mind keep in mind of the some stuff that's out there i would encourage anyone to try that that's a quartz crystal those are pretty common you can find yeah. Try and set that experiment up for yourself. That was actually really cool. I'm glad we did that. That yeah. was a different experience. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on, so I talked about the color, colors of the crystals. Do you do anything with like light therapy like that? Different colors? You said you'd play into the senses, so I didn't know. Yeah, I don't. No. I don't. But I do find it interesting, and there are definitely Ayurvedic practitioners that do. Yeah. Like, yeah. I bet you do encourage that. people to get sunshine a lot, though, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So important. That's, yeah, like, that's the ultimate. Not the window, but not like outside. outside. The direct <laughs> yes. sun. Yes. The direct sun. Yeah. 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 I, I wander the woods, like, pretty much barefoot in my underwear most of the time, and, like, <laughs> People, like I try and tell everyone, really the, the sole purpose of that is to get as much sun on as much of my skin as possible. Yes. Like that's my favorite. Like this, you like feel it. Like you feel that. Like yes, the heat, but like you feel that energy from it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'm, a dream of mine is to like live live in a place where I have enough land that like we can just be in our underwear. Yeah, my kids do it now. But yeah, <laughs> naturally, right? Kids do that. They do that. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good, and it's kind of yeah. how we. 
yeah, we naturally gravitate to be anyway. Yeah. yeah. We just lose track of that with all the distractions. Mm-hmm. So and all the rules. <laughs> ask you, did you paint this room this color intentionally? I did not. Okay. No. I was just curious to see. Uh, Carrie, the manager here, she painted fitting. it this color, and I love it. Yeah, so it's I very kept fitting. It. She asked me if I wanted to change it, and I was like, no, it's like this kind of sage green. Yeah. Yeah. I like it, but that's all I was going to wonder, or if you chose, like, certain lights, that's what, again, I'm getting into, like, if you're, if there's anything to do with that, I'm just out of curiosity. All right, no worries. Um, <laughs> what about sounds? So, do you play with that kind of sense at all? Do yes. you do anything? What yeah. types of things do you do for that with people? So, I do, I do play a lot of music okay. when I teach yoga and when I do treatments on people, and then I use sound and music for for people when they're first starting out with meditation I'll give them like a mantra to mm-hmm. do and a lot of times I'll give them a song that has that mantra that they can sing along mm-hmm. with yeah so I love music in general but definitely find it helpful for um, beginners to have the mind be able to focus on something yeah and I mean the I mean are you familiar with like Sanskrit chants or anything at all just no of it, no idea anything about it, really. Yeah. So um, the Sanskrit language is thought that when you chant it, it hits certain places, your tongue hits certain places in the mouth Mm. that actually helps to, like, align your skeletal system to help align the energy channels. Wow. Yeah. Well, I believe it. So it's cool. So when you're listening to the chants, there's an element that transfers over, whether you're chanting it out loud or not, that just helps balance you. Okay. And there's chants for everything. Like, they're very, they can be very medicinal. Yeah. Yeah, you can chant to open the heart, to, for protection, to connect to the earth, to expand your awareness, to, um, you know, heal something, to send out love to someone else that you know that's suffering. There's chance for everything. And why do you think that those those work? You said you talked about your tongue hitting different parts of your mouth, mm-hmm. but like, why why do you think that that is something that causes us to at least you know see the benefits that we do out of it? I think it's just vibration. Okay. Yeah, I think when you're you attune to a certain vibration, mm-hmm. it's gonna have an effect on that part of your body. So you're just training, so people listening, I mean, when you talk, your vocal cords are vibrating, that's what's creating the sound. Um, So you're accessing a certain vibration that then resonates through the rest of you Mm -hmm. and creates whatever kind of desired outcome that you're going for based on that particular one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you said you give people chance when they meditate, um, and let's let's talk a little more about that. What different? You said it, it could be different. It could be moving. It could be relaxing. Things like that. What are some go tos though that you start people out on for for newbies that are kind of looking to get yeah. into meditation? Yeah. So one of the the meditation and chants that I give people a lot is called the Kirtan Kriya. And it is four words, sa, ta, na, ma. Okay. And that is the cycle of life. So it's um, birth, existence, death, and then the unknown, rebirth. Okay. Yeah. So that one you do, it's actually so relaxing and beautiful. And even if you just searched on Spotify or whatever, like Kirtan Kriya, it would show up. And you turn your palms up and you touch your thumb and first finger together for sa. Seen that. 
image before. Yes. Are, are we yes. sitting in full lotus? Is <laughs> yes. that the goal? Full lotus. If you can. Or however you're or comfortable. <laughs> close enough to that. So we do sa on the first and then ta on the second, na on the third, and ma on the pinky. Okay. So you chant sa, ta, na, ma, and you chant it pretty loud for like three minutes, and then you whisper it for three minutes, and then it's silent, and you do it in your head for three minutes, and then you whisper it for three minutes, and then you chant it out loud for three minutes. Okay. And it really just, like, it clarifies and just really relaxes your mind. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Just the sound of you chanting and listening and doing the mudras with your hands. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, And so... You typically have them stationary in a spot for that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty stationary one. Yeah. Okay. Um, then what what other types of things or techniques do you get going with people? So other yeah. mantras I use, um, you know, very simply like so hum is the mantra my teacher always thought always taught, which is. Um, so is I am, and hum is that. So okay. I am that. So I am my breath. That's essentially mm. what it's saying. He said, everyone that's born on their first breath is given this mantra. Mm-hmm. So is the sound of the breath going in through the nose. Hum is the breath going out. That's so really cool. Yeah. Even just that, that right there, one time through, to think about it's relaxing a little bit. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. So how, okay, so let's, let's kind of walk through. I'm curious, so that's, a ton of cool things that you do and I know that nothing is like typical for that's anyone that comes through here but just to kind of see like how your practice would unfold and so listeners can maybe kind of get in a sense and this, this is something that they would be interested in trying but um so how do you kind of start the process you come in you do some type of assessing right to get a baseline for where someone's at mm-hmm. um and where where do you go from there? Like what? And I, again, I know this is it's hard to really narrow down. So let's <laughs> let's let's give a a pretty common example of. You probably get some people that are looking to make a big change in their life, probably career wise or something like that, and maybe need that help. And they're like, "Well, in order to make that happen, I need to figure out what's going on with me." Mm-hmm. So they come in and they're a bundle of stress, and you know, basically indoctrinated into the Western system that we're in now. How do you kind of approach that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just described, like, all my clients. Okay, I figured, it, I figured a yeah, lot of it comes like very that. very common. Yeah. Well, just for all of us, indoctrinated into whatever conditioning we've grown up with, mm-hmm. right? So it's so true. First, we build awareness of, like, what are our belief systems? What is our conditioning? What what are my limiting thoughts and ideas? And we really break down that structure. So I really realize like, oh, I am not that. Like I just have identified with this for a really long time because it's my coping mechanisms and it's what I've learned through example, but I'm actually not that. And that actually isn't comfortable for me. And I actually don't want to be that anymore. Mm. So we break that down and then we get to rebuild it up. So then it's like, so who am I and what do I want and how do I want to behave and respond? So that process is, you know, anywhere from two months if you're pretty young and you don't have deep neural pathways telling you that these are truths, Um, anywhere from two months to six months to a year. Okay. And every session is intuitive. So every session, I do a lot of... um, 
accountability through forms. So like the first time you ever come in, you have filled out a health history for me and a, you know, moving into a program discovery session form. Okay. Where I ask you questions like, what is it that you want in your life right now? What is holding you back from that? What are things you like about yourself? What are things you don't like about yourself? What are things you want to change? That kind of stuff. So it's a lot of self-inquiry. And then I hold the space to help move you into that transition. And so each of the techniques we just talked about, you kind of just pull and choose from as it seems fitting, whether that be the breaking down or the building up process. They're both involved in that. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely, because, I mean, that's that's another thing about this practice in Ayurveda is that there's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all very uniquely different. Yeah, that's true of, of most things. <laughs> yeah. Of, of almost everything, that there's really not an answer or a certain no. way to do it. No, yeah. there's not. And and I think that that truly that is like one of my gifts in this practice is that I can intuitively read people Mm -hmm. and have a pretty good idea of like what I should recommend next Okay. and as I'm guiding them along. So your practice is built for a long-term kind of thing mostly. Yes. You're not so much of like do you get any clients that come in for, I don't know, like a touch-up, whatever you want to call it, like, but, you know, like, just like, I just need some recentering, some what, you know, uh, you know, I've got most of my stuff, I feel like I'm on top of, but I just need some external readjustment help. Do you get any of that, or? I do, um, mostly with clients that have already been through programs. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely offer, like, continuation for them, because mm-hmm. ideally I'm going to, you know, help guide you into a space that you feel really good. Yeah. And then you're not going to need to come back. Right. Except, yeah, every once in a while something might come up or some something hard might come up. Or you might just feel off and enjoy being in this room. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely happens. But as far as, like, an initial consultation for Ayurveda, I still do that. Like a 90-minute assessment with okay. recommendations. And then I have a partner, Julia, that is much more... Um, um, science nutrition base. She has okay. a master's in nutrition science, mm-hmm. and that's what she does. Does she operate out of here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So for those people that are more wanting, like, I just want a diet plan, mm-hmm. they go to her. Okay. Gotcha. Whereas I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you hard questions. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to the root of, like, what's going on here. So what separates you then, besides all these techniques, but from the approach from the standard like therapist or um i can't remember which one's psychologist which one's psychiatrist yeah psychiatrist can prescribe medicine okay so psychologist where Mm -hmm. so it seems like again a similar practice but a different route absolutely it definitely is and i think the main thing that separates me is my scope of practice okay so i can offer a lot of these alternative things and that's why people are attracted to this but I can't work with people. Like, this would not be effective for somebody that has an actual psychological imbalance. Okay, gotcha. And could perhaps make it worse. Yeah. So, like, I have I have to be very smart at, like, referring mm-hmm. and being able to see is this something. Or maybe I'll work with someone for a couple of sessions and then say, you know, I mean, that never happens, but it could. Okay. Say, <laughs> so like, you know, y- you probably need more help than this. Okay. Like, or this a is... Different- or medicine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, whereas a, you're talking about, like, more like 
chemical imbalances and things like yeah. that or something. Or okay. deep trauma, you know, okay. like sometimes we have trauma from childhood that's been so repressed. Mm-hmm. And if you start doing these things, it could come out. Okay. And I don't necessarily know how to properly deal with that. Okay. So I we see. would need to stabilize the person with help from somebody that's been trained okay. in that. Do you deal with anyone that's like coming for like addiction purposes to, to anything? I mean, I think we're all addicted to things. Right. That's all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all have an addiction of some sort. Um, but directly that that's what they kind of like sought you out for. I'd be curious to see if... You know, it's something that, like, addiction and recovery is, like, so dear to my heart because mm-hmm. I have a lot of family members that have suffered with that. Mm-hmm. And I have actually, like, looked into um, trainings to become an addiction counselor. Okay. And integrate it into the practice. Yeah. I think that would be super cool. Yeah. Absolutely. But no, I haven't, I haven't, other than like, you know, some alcohol stuff, I've not worked mm-hmm. with anyone that's like in recovery okay. or trying to recover from yeah. substance abuse. That's, that's what I mean. So maybe not even just substance, but I guess you could say someone, you know, afraid to leave their comfort zone is addicted to that style of life or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or addicted to food, addicted to phones. I was going to say addicted to food, addicted to addicted phones. Addicted to drama. Yeah. Addicted to chaos. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Do you, see, do you see some of that or not so much? Yeah. Okay. I think gotcha. a lot of people are are in that boat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when uh, you finally, like, I guess you said it probably it varies a ton, but after you've kind of been through with someone and they've made enough of a change um, to where you're like, okay, you don't need to see me anymore, which is the ultimate goal, right? You know, yeah. The ultimate goal is to get them on their own. Absolutely. Um, then you said you do maybe just a few check-in sessions or like how do you do follow-up stuff like that just to check in? How does that work? Yeah, so I have after somebody goes through a program, they're eligible to go into a maintenance program, okay. which is like every other week. Mm-hmm. If they feel like they don't even need that, they can schedule like one session a month okay. whenever they want. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, do you get a lot of people that come back after you like after they've been through the thing or like come back and need another like course through or are they for the most part do you f- see them and almost never see them again they always come back they always come back in some way, in some way shape yeah. or form because i mean this work is it's so expansive right and it's mm-hmm. never ending so yeah. like you might go through a program and learn a bunch of stuff and integrate it and change and then a year later be like i'm ready for the next layer okay yeah. So there's, there's always the next level to it and always something to improve upon. Yeah, yeah. I see. What, I think um, so. <laughs> yeah, no, for absolutely. No, yeah. For everything there is. There's yeah. always more to learn. Yeah. Um, what, um, trying to think how to phrase this. Um, do, do, well, one other question. I don't know. Do you have uh, any trouble with, do people ever, is it too much for them? Well, I'm curious, is that the case, first of all? In what way? Like, do you have dropouts? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, like you said, I guess you said it's never happened where you said this isn't going to work for you, but... Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of people that have quit programs. Okay. But um, it's super rare. Okay. And the two that that happened with, only one is, like, coming to my mind, and I bet I know there are two, but... 
it's usually because they didn't really realize what they were signing up for. Mm -hmm. And something comes up in their life that, like, they can't afford the program anymore. Yeah. Um, but it always ends on good terms. I mean, I'm a super understanding person. Right. No, know? yeah, I've, I'm the same way. If, if I have no hard feelings for anyone that says I can't continue with you. Like, that's, that's yeah. fine. No. Yeah, it's fine. As long as I didn't do something that, like, really made you uncomfortable and not want, then, then it's like, okay, exactly. yeah, exactly. If you've got your own reasons, <laughs> I'll understand it. Oh, exactly. I know what I was going to ask you. How do you determine when someone is, like, ready or, like, mm. they've completed that step? I let them determine that. Okay. So I'll ask people at the end of programs, like, I'll give them all their options, which mm -hmm. are many. And then I'll usually say, like, I think this would be a good next step for you, but it's totally up to you. Mm. Like, if, yeah, if that feels good for you or if you want to wait six months and come back or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I can usually, I mean, there's a huge shift that happens when people do this, right? Oh, so, I'm like, sure. I can I can look at someone's beginning form and see you came here for these three things and you're good on those three things. Yeah. So like if there's another layer you want to work on, we can keep going. Okay. But if you just want to sit in this space where you're like content in your life, like I totally get that. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's really more than realizing it themselves and deciding for themselves that okay, this Always, is Always, yeah. 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 That's awesome. I think there's something important about that. I think that's what we all crave and that's kind of what makes us happier is like knowing that it is our decision to do it and and then it, it is it absolutely is yes. you're not out here telling everyone that they have to do this or whatever but it's here if you want it this is your decision absolutely yeah and hopefully it will be here for a long time right <laughs> like exactly you can have a break and come back yeah so what is so what's next for you then where are you at in this journey of this practice and where are you looking to go? What's the next step? Yeah. Or do you know yet? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. I'm really in this space of my practice where I'm trying to build capital. So okay. I'm really trying to just create a lot of funds to, to build my practice mm -hmm. to be as big as it can be here. Yeah. And then to create, I really want to create more, um, like, more accessibility. Okay. So I, whether or not, I don't know exactly what that looks like, if that's like creating a nonprofit or, or going into schools, creating programs where we go into schools or okay. go into, um, you know, prisons or yeah. whatever it might be. But we really want to do something where once we have that capital, we can give back freely in some way to the community at no charge to them. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah that is as much as I'm not a fan of material and like, uh, you know, monetary value for things, building capital is good leverage to make things happen for how you want to happen. Absolutely. And if you're chasing it for the right reasons, I think it'll come for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I, I like your space a lot. I, I really enjoyed all the information you gave me. It's going to take me a while to process everything. I'll probably reach out with a ton of questions down the road. Um, Good. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with today before we wrap up? Mm. What's coming through to me is really just if you feel like you're in that space that you're stuck or you're staying small, that just to remember that there are resources and there are ways to continue to grow and move forward. And if you make even one small step in that direction, 
the universe will support you mm-hmm. and move you and, and honor you in that space. All right. Well, there you have it, people. <laughs> Go ahead and manifest it. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you, any information that you want out there so that people can get a hold of your practice and come check it out if they feel like they want to. Sure. So our website is flourishayurveda.com, and then we're on Instagram at flourishayurveda. All right. There you have it, and know where to find me, Adaptive Training Principles website and Instagram, all that good stuff. Well, Logan, thank you very much. I appreciate your time, and this was a fun one. Thank you. Bye, everybody.